Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and I still find it weird that we don't get to have the intro music coming in. I must want to play it when I like when you're about ready to start recording. I just start uh, <laughs> that song. I, I always forget that song's by actually. Well, it's Robert Pollard from Guided by Robert Voices. Her eyes play really? tricks on the camera. Is that really Robert Pollard? Oh. Yeah, I know. Oh. It's from off of the record, Honey Locust Honky Tonk. For anyone that's, I don't think we've ever mentioned exactly who sings that song or what it is. So, um, I mean, I know it's in the, I know it's in the uh, podcast notes, but I don't it, think it is. No, we've never talked about it. Um, so, how has your week been so far, Mario? <laughs> oh, a whole bunch of things have happened. Um, so yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I ha- I am running like a twenty-six minute five k now because I don't i can't really lift right now mm-hmm. um or do like body weight stuff with my arms because i when i was trying to socially distance run a few weeks ago uh this group of, group of people who obviously were not practicing social distance and this was still really early on so frustrating but whatever I'm not gonna dismirch them we're mm-hmm. just like in the middle smack dab of the road and i went to avoid them and hit a branch and went head over heels and like braced myself by putting my hand out screwed up my wrist so i'm still like kind of healing that oh wow like i do push-ups like now on my like fists mm-hmm. but um can't do much else so i've just taken up a lot of running since mm-hmm. then for exercise and i've got my 5k time down a lot so that's pretty that's good fun. yeah are, there, are you able f- to lift a goddamn thing but are you finding that there's a lot of people out doing the same thing or i mean you said that one time there was a whole bunch of people in the middle of the street but are you alone out um, there no it's actually it's been getting a lot quieter oh good lately. I think people just got tired of being outside as well. Like at first, like we need to be outside, and now maybe they're just getting used to it. Like maybe when these all these things lift, everyone's just gonna be, just stay inside. So. I think that's a that's a thing that people have said that with most their, people kind five. of most people do this anyway. Like most people stay inside all the time, you know, as it is, and now they'll just be like, "Yeah, that was nice. That was really nice having everything delivered to that's me." A, and you know, I've always I've I've never liked staying inside, so. I don't like the indoors that much. I've always considered my house to kind of be a place I sleep at. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll probably get used to this eventually. No, it's just like, I haven't. No, I, I just don't like it. I don't. I see, it's the thing. I I'm, not out, I'm not an outdoors guy, but I do like to break you up my day. You always go hiking. Well, I, yeah, I do. But like, I don't really like hiking as so much. It's just kind of like, it's the best way to get exercise that I've found. Um, but I kind mm-hmm. of hate going out like on the trail and like, it's just so dirty and I could fall die i mean you could fall and die in your house man i know i know buddy my, my basement stairs anyway. are treacherous my basement stairs are treacherous so do you have uh what, what are you what are you drinking this week by the way this week Anything i'm fun? i'm still on my stegosaurus four packs oh. i haven't gone i still have a bunch of beer in my house so yeah I, what are you I, drinking i bought some beer and then i, and I drank it uh just <laughs> collective arts uh dipa called peak of of fluorescence uh, got Citra and Nelson Sauvignon. Uh, uh, it's from Wisconsin, so obviously not following our rules, but it's actually from Berlin. Well, Collective really Arts is weird because rules. I wish it was within our rules because they always have a million Collective Arts beers at every single liquor store that I go to. Well, sometimes I think Collective Arts in itself always does like collaborations. Mm-hmm. So I would say like I think it's fair if when we start back start this back up, we uh. Because we allow those collaborations. Although well, Fat Orange Cat's everywhere now. And what's I Fat Orange Cat? We've really done a lot of Fat Orange Cat beers. What's that? What? 
Is that a collective uh, arts? And that's a no, no. Fat Krat is a brewery. This oh. is the empty four pack I'm showing you. Where um, are they at? That's of? out of East out of East Hampton. I think I want to say. I believe they're out of East Hampton. Okay. Um, they're a little like farmy sort of brewery that's getting really popular. We'll put it on the list. They're very good. And they have a lot of beers, so. Hmm? What'd you say? They have a lot of beers. They have a lot of beers, and they're very easy to get, so. Oh, good. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be good for when um, this all ends. Do you have opinions? In, on- uh, July 2070. Uh, well, we probably won't be here in July 2070, so that's, you know. As a world, yeah, because of climate change. <laughs> no, as people. As people. Do you have opinions on at all on the uh, Disney's announcement, any of Disney's slate movement that happened this week? Oh, I don't give a shit. Uh, I have a friend who's really bummed about, like, all the Marvel movies being pushed back, but I don't, I don't care. Why? I got really, like... Um, I don't care about it either, but how much I don't care about it, I think, says a lot about like movie culture in our society, where it's just it's all totally disposable if you can't take this stuff seriously because they just want your money. Like from Disney to like Top Gun to Mission Impossible to or not Mission Impossible to James Bond, all this other stuff, they don't really care about the movies. They just want as much money as humanly possible. So, um. But these two summer movies, I think, that were really the only major ones. Was kind of not not summer movies either. Uh, one's a summer movie, but Tenet, I, I'll be kind of bummed when it moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dune, I'll be bummed when it moves. I guess is I Dune going to have will, to move? I figure Dune will move out of the way because I think Dune's Warner Brothers, and so is Tenet. If mm. if I'm remembering correctly, I think they are. Um, but I think Dune won't be able to like finish post production. Oh, maybe. You know, because you got like I would imagine that evolve. Like, can you really do CGI that well over? I mean, you might be able to go to um, like an office, like if it's just a couple of guys doing CGI in a room. Like, you might be able to like you know have yourself socially distant that way. I mean, maybe you can. I don't know, um, but yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, yeah, because I think you're going to see a lot of those fall movies move. I don't think, like, Halloween comes out at Halloween anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that gets pushed next year because I don't, like, even though that's been done shooting for a while, they could do post-production that quickly, but I think they'll just move it because they won't be able to do the back-to-back like they wanted to because mm-hmm. they haven't filmed Halloween Ends. So I think you'll see, like, something like Spiral move into that position. Like, yeah, it's weird. The Saw movies have ever always been. Um, I think you'll see a lot of the movies that were supposed to come out in December moving out. I mean, I still think... West Side Story comes out in December, but I think maybe if it's if it's out. done, like I mean, that's the thing we have no idea what state most of these movies are in. I thought I was done with production at least. Um, but if there's a lot of performance like stuff in that too, you might you would need to get people to come into studios to record, you know, audio tracks oh, true, and like you know ADR stuff. Yeah, so um, and, 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 and cast- in the Heights can maybe move in there, but that's kind of weird for a summer movie, like a summer summer movie to be moved into. But again, it doesn't winter, matter so. because like Top Gun is going to get a prestige like date. You know what I mean? Like all these movies are going to get like the Oscar bait dates and what have you. So it's, yeah, it's funny. The the only, oh sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, no, finish your thought. Sorry. Oh no, I just think it's going to be unless the it might be one of those things where the um, 
for a couple of years at least the um the seasons like the movie seasons get kind of jarred around and stuff like that and maybe like um they move hey the cops are the cops are there again they're always right there um maybe the oscar um criteria gets you know, maybe they shift the dates around a little bit maybe they do the ceremony in april so you can get more of the more of those movies in maybe two you know the 2020 oscars like equals a longer date or something like that they push like go through like march or yeah, something yeah, yeah. next year i don't know maybe yeah um i'm finding the, the movies that i'm actually kind of depressed i'm uh, missing out on are getting pushed back are like first cal or uh promising young woman stuff like that like the smaller films those mm-hmm. are the ones that i'm kind of, kind of like I wish they take on like the, the the they eventually take on the position. I don't think first cow will, but maybe like promising young woman takes on the thing that never, rarely, sometimes, always did in coming out. You know, I I, I don't. Streaming. So I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't it, for those. It honestly doesn't look like it's going to happen. It really no, looks. It doesn't. It looks like they're holding on to those. There is not a lot. The slate of 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 um, quality or movies that we know about. Um, or that we're supposed to kind of come out have, has kind of dried up a little bit. Um, I wonder though, like with, um, for example, S was it STX is the ones that have uh, my spy. I wonder if some of these studios get desperate for a quick insertion of cash flow though. Oh well, my spy are pretty resilient. Yeah, my spy well, is. I mean, they, fine. Well, they really are going for an award run there for Dave Batista. You think probably. so? Um, uh, of course, that's why they're releasing it on Amazon. Uh, but I could see as like money starts drying up or liquidity, like just their liquid funds start drying up. Maybe they relax that if mm-hmm. this lasts too much longer. Yeah. Like if people are still sitting in their homes by the mid May, I wonder if they just go like, let's just release some stuff. Well, I think if 40 million people all pay $20 to rent trolls for two days on Friday, studio is going to be like, okay, sure. Oh, by the way, not, not, we're not doing that movie. We're, oh, but I'm going to totally watch it. I'll tell if you if I it's good find, or not. I'll tell you if, if it's I can good find, or not. If I can find an alternate method of watching that film that includes spending all the legality, legal money of $20, yeah. I will do it. Okay. Um, I will 100%, if I can find the right streaming site for $20, I will do it. You got it. One that is like maybe has like Diary of a Country Priest on it as well or something. Yeah, one of your one of your Russian sites. Um, <laughs> Completely legal. I use a VPN. I just want to pay the Russians. Well, that sounds even worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's. I mean, it's interesting. It, and I think our two movies that we're going to talk about today, that like the two big releases from. Um, I mean, Onward came out a couple of weeks ago, but it got released on Disney Plus um, on Friday, April third, um, and never, rarely, sometimes, always. Um, are kind of, I would be interested to know how many people watch that on Disney Plus. I, I guess Disney Plus like has a lot of new subscribers. It'd be interesting to watch how many people um, paid for Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, um, which is very small and like looks funny on the list of like in theater, like home theater releases. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just all this big budget stuff, and then this tiny little movie just sitting there, like oh, and me. Like stuck in between Birds of Prey and Bloodshot. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very funny. So we're gonna. Do you want to start with Onward? We'll start with Onward. In times of old, the world was full of wonder and magic. But 
Times change. I'm a mighty warrior. Morning, Mom. Hey, birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. <gasps> no way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm gonna meet Dad. Clip is you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Onward is the story of a boy named Harry Potter. Um, no, it's not. We're wrong. Um, so yeah, Onward came out on what, what, March 6th, right? Onward came out in theaters. Yeah, it was March 6th. Onward came out in theaters on March 6th. It made a hundred million dollars in a couple of weeks. And then uh, coronavirus hit and Onward disappeared. It came out streaming a couple weeks ago. You could pay for it. It came out on Disney Plus on Friday and me and Mario watched it. It is the story of... Um, oh, you're doing the is a story it thing. Is the, well, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a story. It, is, it works it perfectly. It is the story of uh, Ian and uh, Barley, voiced by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Um, their dad died when uh, Ian was like still in his mother's womb and there his mother's voice by Julia Lee Dreyfus. And when Barley was a, a young child, so Ian has no memory of his father and Barley has a few memories of his father. And, um, they live in a world that is, uh, you know, a fantasy world that was once like full of magic. And now the magic has just been subsumed by, um, technology because life is, it's just easier to ride motorcycles if you're a pixie than to use your wings. Um, it's just easier to 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 own a to own a restaurant than it is to you know fight bad guys and things like that. If you're if you're a Manticore, voiced by Octavia Spencer, who I thought was actually pretty good in this. Um, Octavia Spencer's fantastic. She was great. Yeah. Um, so Ian and Barley on on Ian's sixteenth birthday, they their mother gives them a gift and it's that their father left for them, and it's a wizard staff, and you're in it. There's a spell, and they can they can say it and their dad will come back for one day, but Ian messes it up and he, they only get some legs. So they have 24 hours to find another Phoenix stone so they can bring the rest of their dad back to life for one day. I just got, I just got why it's called a Phoenix stone just now. Mm-hmm. Here's a question, Mario, which I brought up when we were watching it and we can, we'll maybe explain this to people why this is pertinent. Why? Don't they just like wait a couple hours and let those legs go and then use the Phoenix stone, the second Phoenix stone that they inevitably get spoiler alert and just try the spell again. I think, I think they assume that, that, that was the resurrection, the one resurrection they get. So it's just the, the entire spell is like the one time only thing, you know? Oh, I wasn't sure so if it was I just tied to like one Phoenix stone because the Phoenix stone explodes. No, no, I believe it's tied. The spell, the visitation spell only works once. Oh, okay. No matter the completion of said Phoenix spell. Sure. Okay. Or a visitation spell. Whatever. What is that? 
So those are some weird, those are some weird buzzing sounds coming through the through the mic, or through, oh, through from my mic or your mic. I don't know. It just sounded like it was oh. like around me. Can I tell you what that was? What motorcycles? Oh, okay. even from here, even like literally <laughs> miles and miles away, we're still getting the motorcycle. I don't know why. 164. I realize what it is. Larry Kasdan got up to the 70th floor already. Found our antique motorcycle collection. Oh, Why did yeah. we ever get that? I don't I know. Driving around. It was also a bad idea. It was also a bad idea. Um, I, I, I texted you and I asked you if you cried, and you said you got a little misty. Um, I think that I, I've I did heard... say I got misty. I said I, I found it. I found a moment where it was a little, a little sad. Yeah, I've listened to a lot of podcasts where Misty's, people have talked. Misty's about... giving this movie way too much credit. <laughs> where people have talked a lot about the, um, like the dad stuff in it, and like how sad it makes them, and it's like it's impossible to watch if you're a dad. Um, bah, you know, I thought this is pretty, it's pretty light. Pixar. It actually reminded me more of like a Disney movie. Like we we just watched Frozen two also. Which is terrible. Um, and this actually reminds me more of like, it would fit in perfectly with that line of movies. With like the Moana and Frozen and then Onward. You know what I mean? Like Tangled, Tangled and all that. It would make more sense there than it does like as a Pixar movie. Because this movie, I think it's this movie is fine. And I enjoyed it and we had, had a good time watching it. It's so light. It doesn't have any of... I don't even mean thematic stuff. I just mean it's so unexceptional. And from Pixar, I think we've kind of come to expect something even like marginally above that. I think so anyway. Um, sure, I guess. I- I've never expected that from Pixar. I've also quite often said that Pixar, for the most part, has never been really impressive for me. There's a few of their movies I liked. I liked Up for parts. I like parts of Up. Like a scene and up, um, I enjoy like, obviously the Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, a Bug's Life. Uh, beyond that, I, I find their entire filmography a little bit of a refined pat 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 like I don't know refined mediocrity hmm. um, in the sense that they always kind of carry the same story beats. Uh, well, that's and I'm just, yeah, I'm that's just, true done with them i'm kind of done with it i understand hmm. like these movies are slightly geared towards children uh heavily geared towards children but i think there's there's more still that can be done to like respect the child it's like frame of reference or frame of thought mm-hmm. um i'm tired of of the disney pixar animated film moments uh of where the two main characters have the disagreement and one walks off Mm-hmm. I'm done with that. I'm done with the moments of 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 actualization, the the the, re- the moments of revelation. Even though like it worked for me really heavily in Up, just because I feel as though it's a little more kind of unexpectedly done. Um, you know, with these she sees the adventures still to come versus kind of like the list he's been writing. Because uh-huh. as like Ian's writing the list, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be. Sh- it, it's he's just gonna write, find out that it's been his brother. That's mm-hmm was there all along like the second like you're looking at that i'm seeing the things going like oh this is clearly just going to be framed back to his brother and people are going to be like you have to give like these movies like a little bit of space or a little bit of room because you know the audience they're geared for and i'm like you don't because i think kids can still handle things with a little more gravity and emotion and and 
um, thematic depth than that. You know, they don't need to kind of pull out the playbook of, of children's movies and, and follow those beats. Yeah, and it's funny. Just, be- it was just watching the same movie over again. Well, the emo- watching the same movie I've seen. Yeah, the emotions of it, I think, are fairly... Um- they're like so obvious. They're just not special. So I even thought like, I thought a little bit that my kids were going to have like a little bit of a tough time with it. Um, Just because it's, you know, you know, it just hits close to home with everything that's like kind of going on now. Not that they know anyone that's like died from coronavirus, but they're just, they're like very sensitive kids in terms of like their family and, um, and all that other stuff. They really, they didn't care. I mean, they both came out of Coco um, kind of, you know, I don't know if I want to say changed, perhaps, but they had some thoughts when they left Coco. You know what I mean? When they when this was over, they were just like that dragon face was awesome. Their favorite part of the movie was when like the the like the stone dragon that they encounter at the end like acquires like the mascot face, and then like it makes yeah. its angry eyebrows. They were just like, "Whoa, that was really cool!" And they thought that was really funny. And that's the thing they thought they thought the movie was was funny. They, again, they had a good time, um, but it's. There's movies that they've seen of Pixar's. They just they just kind of they keep coming back to. You know what I mean? Like neither of them is gonna want to be either of these characters for Halloween. Um, my daughter was like Violet from The Incredibles like two years ago. You know what I mean? Like it just it's one of those movies have have that kind of staying power in the mind of a kid. And this is just kind of like a diversion. You know what I mean? Is this movie yeah, exactly. necessarily better than Trolls? I mean, I guess. Possibly, but from what it's going to do and what kids want it to do, probably not. It's just going to be a way to spend an hour and a half where they're not, you know, distance learning or don't have to think about, you know, coronavirus or whatever. Um, and it was I mean, the thing. I think you know, Julie. It's kind of funny because. Good. Uh, the thing I found funny too is like a lot of the positive thoughts on this, or a lot of things I've seen. I was just trying to literally find out what, what people kind of found. Cause I, like, I usually don't look at Rotten Tomatoes scores and go like, like oh, because it's just a sign of, is it is it good or not? Is it okay or not? Mm-hmm. And I only really find this, I find this on like the rougher side of okay. Like, mm-hmm. I would have not been a, I would be that, that squash tomato. It, it, some of the reviews were like, oh, it takes like those moments of diversion uh, from the norm of like the good stepfather. And I'm like, the good stepfather is a cliche now. Like, Ant-Man did the good stepfather other movies are always establishing like the liar liar did the attempted yeah. good stepfather well he's you the know? best I stepfather still i still felt bad for carrie always yeah that, that stepfather is wrong like, like jim carrey's still a piece of shit in that movie Fletcher, yeah yeah still a piece of shit no we, um, should, we should do a special like, liar liar is, episode this is like still maybe it, maybe we'll watch sonic and just do a jim carrey thing oh, um yeah. god i don't want to do that uh like that is in itself a cliche now and, and, and a trope. Um, that's not necessarily a problem I had with it. Like the major problem I had with it. The major problem I had with it is just like, it's just so interminable. It's, it's, it's a film that has all these diversions just to kind of like pad out the running length. Mm. And I feel like if this was maybe an 80 minute long movie, it would have been a lot better. Mm-hmm. Like if it didn't feel like it needed to kind of like fall within that Pixar framework of needing to be, nearly two hours long that could have been a lot better of a film like the entire gas station scene like that entire pursuit was just 
so long. Well, you just, so every situation that gets... Unconsequential. Yeah. Every situation that gets presented, you're just like, well, this is... Not even situation. When As soon as they saw the gas station, you were just like, that's going to be a problem. You know, I mean, yeah, you didn't know the nature necessarily of the problem, but you're like, well, that's going to be a thing. And that, you know, when um, they... I, when they get like when the manticore is pounding red bulls like sitting in the car she's like oh i need my sword you're like that's gonna be a thing that has to get dealt with you so it's not even one of these things where you're just like oh i wonder how this works out you're just like it's gonna work out um i guess it's disappointing in the sense that um you know how it this like the specificity of how it ends there's like a little bit of a denial of satisfaction at least from from my family anyway that they were just kind of like oh he doesn't even get to say anything um but even that's not like that's not like super clever, you know. My wife called yeah, it actually, like pretty early on. Like, yeah, I bet this is not going to happen. The thing I actually find funny about that. What was that? I knocked um, a wand box into a <laughs> plate of into a it's bowl into a bowl of um, beads and googly eyeballs. There you go. Which is right next to yeah, that's, a... That's a sentence that happened. Which is right next to a stormtrooper head on top of a lightsaber. So, that's, what, that's what's oh. happening over here, Mario. It's funny you mentioned, though, that, that like those scenes that were unnecessary that I actually found to be okay in their place. And, and they're kind of buoyed around like Octa- Octavia Spencer's performance. Mm-hmm. Just because I loved, I loved her in this. Film. Oh, she was great. She's fucking fantastic. Uh, and so that pawn shop scene is totally non-consequential, but it's great just because of how well Julia Louis Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer are playing off of each other. And uh, I don't know who played the pawn shop owner. Uh, Tracy Ullman. Yeah, Tracy Ullman. Like they all play really well off of each other. And that's that scene. So it works. Um, I guess I guess the thing about my major problem is that like Tom Holland and Chris Pratt have no fucking chemistry at all in this. Yeah, um, which was For weird me, because we also uh, just watched Spider-Man Far From Home and Tom Holland's like so good in Spider-Man Far From Home. And he's just, you know, he's a little he's tired, bad, yeah. a little sleepy here. You know what I mean, Chris Pratt's well, a little sleepy. Think... You know, what I mean, they, they just don't seem like yeah. the, the energy doesn't seem there. Chris Pratt. Kind of sucks. I, I think I, I've come. I've come to this like realization that he's just not substantially a great actor outside of. And I, okay, he kind of sucks in, in these roles that require him to do a, something a little heavier. Mm-hmm. When he's just meant to be kind of, he, he's not. I don't know if he has the range to kind of expand out of his wheelhouse. Well, the answer to like, that is no. Yeah. So and, and like, <laughs> we just have to move on from that question. What he's when he's doing the entire like incubation intubation scene, like saying he couldn't talk to his dad, um, like that's supposed to be like kind of the one heavy moment that's kind of slightly unique mm-hmm. for this kind of film, and and like not being able to say goodbye sort of thing, um, and it just doesn't land. <laughs> I mean, it lands visually, like the the artist the artistry. It's a movie that looks great. Um, Looks visually, fine. and all that lands, but like his line reading is is um, just, just falls, just falls really flat. Mm-hmm. And and you know the scenes I find to be the most frustrating that that kind of are there but don't need to be there, like the entire 
scene with the the, the sprites and whatnot, um, the pixies, uh, you know, are, are kind of a direct consequence, or even like when they're dancing, are a direct consequence of the fact that like I just I want to see and hear less of these two. Too. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see a movie where Julia Louis Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer went on an adventure together. That'd be a good movie. Well, yeah, and I, the other thing, so uh, it's weird because I, um, however inconsequential I found like lots of things, I didn't like not enjoy it. It was it was always like pleasant enough, but I just you know I just was hoping for like something a little more than pleasant enough. I was hoping for something a little more than you know the kids seem they're going like. The what is what is the name of the road? Like the Adventurer's Road, or like the, the road, the road of peril, the road of peril. They're going the road of peril, you know. And it's this whole big thing. Oh, are we gonna do it? You know, we're not gonna do it. Like, oh, okay, let's do it. It's like a big emotional thing. Um, and then you know they get to that bridge and they have to they have to do the spell to cross the bridge and it's you know this big tense moment. Is he gonna see that he doesn't have the rope and blah blah blah? And then the cops could just go there instantaneously. There's hundreds of cops just like right there. And it's like, well, what if it's that, if it's not that big a deal, like why do they just make such a big deal about it? You know what I mean? Like, can't well, they, can't you think I, of I anything guess... else to like put in their way other than like a bunch of cops? Like this is a fantastical universe. You can do anything you want. And it's a, it's a car chase scene. We're doing a car chase scene. Do something else. Like that's pick. That, I think one of the problems I had with this movie again. It's a movie that I generally really liked. I'd give it like a like a B. You know what I mean? It's an enjoyable movie, but it just it's just there's an imagination component here that's just kind of not that's not really delved into very hard. It's like they're just skimming the surface of like what fantasy novels or like uh, things included in fantasy novels or things included in Dungeons and Dragons. You know what I mean? It's, they're not like doing like a deep dive or anything like that and exploiting all of that kind of history. They're just kind of like, Oh yeah. And, um, you have to learn all these spells, but definitely car chases and definitely, um, cops for sure. Well, I, I think that's, that's another frustrating part of this movie is, is Pixar is usually so well adapted in, the extent of their technological capabilities to um, pay attention to small details and, and kind of beyond the kind of more overarching details that, that really don't add up, like the cops being right there, being able to kind of follow them so easily. There's small technical inco- like inconsistencies that bugs me. Mm-hmm. Um, that and I don't typically notice these whatsoever in films just because of the fact that if a story is good enough or other things are done well enough, you don't notice it. But, but two two things in particular got to me heavily. Two technical flubs in this got to me. I don't know why they got to me, but I think it's just more of, of a fact that like this film lacks that sort of Pixar refinement. When the Manticore sits on the hood of the police car and yep. the camera shifts to Julius Dreyfus talking to the cop, um, you know, about like the her blood exposed, meaning that she's going to suffer from, uh-huh. you know, mental illness. You see the cop car kind of lift up the back end of it. Mm-hmm. And then when she walks off and the cop goes to talk to her and sees it's just the, mantator, the empty manticore costume, you know, yep. the back of that car never drops back down. It stays lifted hmm. up as though it's the weight's been really heavy. I don't think I noticed that. Later on, when they need to have weight on the uh underwater button or else the door starts like 
very quickly closing. Right. You know, the, the two brothers get up really quickly and they start lifting the father. The door doesn't start closing. Well, I think it just stays completely open. So I had that question too. And there's these like weird, slight inconsistencies right. in there that just make me go like, Pixar doesn't do these things. And it, it feels like I have this weird gut feeling that Soul is going to be like phenomenally great. Mm-hmm. I think they like, are even too. Even though that that I think that's there's that there one joke in Soul of like the pooping out the the pizza that bugged me just mm-hmm. in the trailer. I know they always throw those jokes in, but I just think Soul's going to have like a lot of emotion. And I think they just were like, we need to also make something that can sell, sell shit. And Soul, I don't think is going to sell shit. I think Onward is like, we could sell shit with Onward. We yeah. could sell a kid's yeah. like plastic wizard staff or wings or whatever, or what have you, or, or little plush toys of various things, or storybooks tied to it. And I just think they kind of like rush this out. It's like Cars 3. It's like Cars 3 again, you know? Or the good dinosaur. Or, or, sorry, Cars 3 is actually considered, what, somewhat decent. Cars 2 again. Good Dinosaur was like a tech a tech movie, I think. They were just like, look how good we can make our environments. Oh, we have to put a story around it? Shit. It's a kid. We haven't made a dinosaur movie yet, right? Oh, well, we'll do one of those. Well, uh, we'll make we'll make a kind of a land before time, I guess. Not really, but look at... Look at that water. Look how good <laughs> that water looks. Well, that's so that's uh, another thing about this movie, I guess. And I don't really think we need to belabor it. We can actually kind of move on from it, I, I suppose, is that, um, you know, it looks. I'm just shitting on it because the it, more I think about it, the less I like it. It looks really good, but it also doesn't look. I think every Pixar movie usually has a thing that you're just kind of like, wow, that looks cool. You know what I mean? And this doesn't have any of those things. Um, you know, it has things that like are. Um, that are jokes or that are like well executed, but they're not, it's not like a technological, you know, kind of like it has none of those technological, um, you know, um, I don't even know what the, uh, how I would oh, see, describe I disagree. it. I thought, I thought the grass, I thought, I thought the grass in this, for some reason, the grass was really amazing looking, but I think, like, I they, did think abo- they did pretty good grass in a bomb. They did pretty good grass in abominable. And that movie stinks. No, I didn't see it. But they did pretty good grass. Is that a DreamWorks it? movie? I no, mean, I are we like... sure this wasn't just a DreamWorks movie? Because this feels like a pretty like decent DreamWorks movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's what it's. Are we sure like they didn't? Are we sure like John uh, Laz? What was it? What, John? Uh, I can't remember his last name. Lassiter. Right John Lassiter on his way out didn't go like <laughs> didn't go like yeah this movie's one of ours too. Yeah, works on this. There's somehow why does it say made in like. There's yeah. there's a Shrek there's like Shrek's buried like in the thing if you watch it really closely and slow it down you can just see Shrek and Donkey all over the place. Yeah, that's where it's going. That's the sequel to Onward is Onward and Shrek bash up. Actually, that would work. That would work actually pretty well. <laughs> that would work pretty well. But yeah, there's all, there's all those there's yeah, Donkey is Axel Foley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that joke. That joke took a second to get to you. <laughs> what the donkey is Axel Foley? Yeah. Um, like I think there was an internet thing. There would be. It would actually be very funny if they just stopped with the donkey and it was just Eddie Murphy, just talking to Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> like who framed Roger yeah. Rabbit? But the reverse. Everything's animated except Eddie Murphy. But all he's doing is bitching about not getting that Oscar for DreamWork for uh, Dreamgirls. I'm going to be honest with you though. I would have liked to have seen him get that Oscar. So. Um, that way, Little Miss Sunshine would not be, could not advertise itself as an Oscar winner. 
that's fair. It is fair. Um, but yeah, um, I overall, I guess, final thoughts. I I don't like this. Like, I I like I put it on the uh, like the lower side of mediocre, but like uh, even the out excluding the Cars franchise, the most mediocre Pixar films have still been better than like the best of the DreamWorks films. And I think I had a better time watching the first Despicable Me than I did watching this. See, it's hard for me to say because I don't like any of those movies. Like I don't, I don't like the Despicable Me movies. Um, I do think this is on the lower end of like oh, I what don't, Pixar's, I them. what Pixar's has done. Um, and again, not because I, I don't think they're trying, and not because I think they've, um, or I don't know, I don't know why. It's just weird. It's it's not, um, it's not a, it's not bad as much as it's just not very good. And I think after yeah, you know. No. After yeah, their track right record, you're you. just kind of like, well, I, I kind of, you know, would just comp- compare it to like Pixar's 10 best movies. And you're just like, well, it's not even close to any of these. Um, also, my, my strong suggestion, uh, having having some friends who have kids, um, if you're a parent and your child doesn't realize that this movie's on Disney Plus yet. Don't let them know. See, but that's the thing. I actually disagree with you. You know why? Why? No, do you know why? So you don't have to watch this movie like five days in a row. See, that's I the thing. Like three, I would rather... I, four different friends. I wouldn't mind watching watch this movie, movie multiple days. But it's either this or it's like shit like Frozen 2 or there's so much worse stuff that you could be watching than this. This is... I, if my kids oh, wanted to watch this five days in a row, I'd be fine. But just show them Portrait of Lee. On fire well, we've been watching. Like um, ha- have you seen John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch yet on Netflix? Uh, only when inebriated. I thought it was fine. It's it's the kids kind of ruin it. Oh, see, that's the thing. So it's if you have kids and you want to like just make everything good in your house, watch the Sack Lunch Bunch because it's just the best. How could you say the kids ruin it? The kids make it all because good. It's like, I don't know. I just I don't like children. Ladies. There you go, there and you I don't go. like things to appeal to children. Well, like, I'm, I'm probably the worst person to review this film, but it happens. What it, can I do? I, you know, I'm a good for you know I'm good for reviewing though. Well, we'll get to it. Like your five thoughts. No, that's, I was gonna I was going to transition into it in the exact opposite way by saying like I'm not sure I'm <laughs> any I'm fit for reviewing this next movie either. Well, this movie's like in my wheelhouse. Like, it's in my um, wheelhouse as a movie, kind of- but I don't know if I'm capable of like talking about it um, in the way that it should be or the way that it wants to be. And so, some of our female listeners will have to fill us in on that. Um, it is Eliza. Is, is it correct term? What is the correct term? Female listeners or is it woman listeners? Like, if you're using the adjective mm-hmm. to describe oh, yeah. the noun, is it still okay? Is that okay to say female? Because I, I have friends who say yes. Oh, I can't hear you now. I didn't say anything. Oh well, that I was lis- I was listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, because I wondered that. But apparently, if you're using, you can't say you don't say females as the noun. But I guess you could say it as the adjective describe a noun. I don't know. I don't know. If I've been I said it wrong, I say it's weird when I say. I've been when I say woman. Blah blah blahs like woman adventurers and men adventurers. I've, I've been told it's weird. Mm-hmm to say it that way hmm. but i don't know but it keeps me on track of not saying male or female because i actually had a bad habit of saying there's a bunch of males over there, over there. <laughs> like using the using using it kind of both ways mm-hmm. i mean whatever um but anyways 
on that note, the other film we're talking about, uh, as we mentioned earlier, is Eliza Hitman's Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. I didn't see you at school today. I went to the doctor. What's wrong? Girl problems. Don't you ever just wish you were a dude all the time? This is the most magical sound you will ever hear. Down beneath the ashes and stones. I'm just not ready to be a mom. Where else could you go? Nowhere in Pennsylvania. I think you should try another place. I never got around to seeing Beach Rats, which is the last film from her. I didn't see. I, really I haven't seen intrigued. anything else. I saw trailers. I saw trailers constantly for Beach Rats, and it's on Hulu. I'll probably just have to do a temporary subscription to Hulu just to catch that and to watch Portrait of Lady on Fire for the ninth. Uh, it would be eighth, ninth, and probably tenth time. And Parasite is there also um, if you're so inclined. Oh yeah, and and like four other of his feet, like three other of his features, like the host. Uh, mother and one other one is actually on there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hulu's starting to up their game. Well, they have Hulu's a they game. have a deal with Neon. With Neon, yeah. I was gonna say like Neon, right? Yeah, because I think Beach Rats might have been a Neon film. Mm. And is this a, is this a Neon film? Mm-hmm. Oh wait, no, it's not. I don't think it is. No, it's Focus. It's Focus features. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising me because Neon's buying everything. Uh, but Never Really, Sometimes Always uh, is about uh, Autumn Callahan, who is a underaged teenage uh, Pennsylvania woman um, who discovers she's pregnant and goes to a pregnancy center who realize, and finds out that she is 10 weeks pregnant. I almost said 10 months pregnant. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That would be that'd be a way different movie. Um, she wants to terminate the pregnancy, uh, but the, this pregnancy center is one that's geared towards the propaganda of of not doing so. Um, and she finds out that in Pennsylvania, you have to have parental consent in order to uh, get an abortion. Mm-hmm. She uh, attempts various different ways of inducing an abortion but it doesn't help at all. And so eventually her and her cousin Skylar steal some money from their grocery store uh, that they work at. I really hope it's owned by that creepy guy. So that way he got it stolen from him. Yep. Um, And they go to New York city uh, where, you know, parental consent is not needed Uh, there. She is told she's actually 18 weeks pregnant. She's been lied to. Uh, by the Crisis Pregnancy Center, which I didn't really understand the lie there, but we'll talk about that. I would just, um, yeah, yeah. And that the uh, abortion, the abortion, I, I, that should be like the first thing we talk about. I just like to get through. Yep. The abortion is going to be this two-day procedure. Uh, they they run out of money. Um, and so uh, Skylar has to meet up with this guy Jasper who kind of like really pushed her to uh, despite her clear um, denial of his advances Mm -hmm. uh, she ends up having to kind of like make out with him um, and do things she doesn't want to do to to get more of the money Uh, Autumn eventually is successful with having the procedure um, and travels back home Uh, during this time 
where she is being interviewed, however, by um, the the people in the New York facility who who you know have to find out and ensure that she truly wants to go through this procedure, um, that she's not being coerced into the procedure. We find out uh, the kind of source title of the never, rarely, sometimes, always being the oh, what is that test called? The Lichtern test, I think. I can't remember what the test. Mm-mm is actually called about uh, for it um, in which she's only meant to n- and answer never really sometimes always and rediscover that uh, autumn has had a strong pattern of history of sexual um, and physical abuse and that even this pregnancy um, stands a good chance of having been uh, a result of such abuse. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I, the, quickly first, the one thing I did not understand is the 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 reason why the the crisis pregnancy center would lie about the length. Well, I feel the like they would have like lied in the, the opposite pregnancy. direction. Yeah, no, me too. Um, I wonder if it was just kind of like establish that they're untrustworthy kind of. I didn't take it as as a no conservative. I, yeah, I didn't take it as a as a commentary on untrustworthiness as much as I took it on a commentary of like um, incompetence. You know what I mean? Like they're giving her a test. Yeah, no, uh, they're giving her a, a grocery store test. They're just kind of like looking at stuff. They're more focused on like saying, "This is your beautiful baby. This is the most magic sound in the world." Here is a video of a guy from the 1980s telling you why you shouldn't have an abortion. Um, more so than like giving her good information. Probably, probably holding. Probably holding a serum in a sermon in Florida this weekend. I'm sure. Um, yeah, we're not gonna talk about that. Um, but that's. I mean, I, that's. I had. I think. I never. I didn't have problems with the movie necessarily as much as I had. Um, I had a lot of questions that were exactly like that. Um, where I felt that it wasn't. It didn't round itself out exactly how. I kept expecting it to, and I almost kind of want to say that I wanted it to or that it should have, um, but I think I'm going to put the onus on myself and that I just assumed we were going to get certain information um, and, like, we never really got it, so we're just kind of left wondering, like, what the next what the next stage of this story is. Um, but what did you... I mean, because you said it's in your wheelhouse. It's in my wheelhouse, too. I was really looking forward to this movie, and I, I'm really glad that I saw it. Um um, I think Eliza Hitman did a did kind of an amazing job, um, and I think the the two lead actresses, um, Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder, um, as Autumn and Skyler, are yeah, equally amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. It's hard to know where to start with this with this thing. Uh, it is. Um, I think a lot of those questions it raises for me don't don't bug me as much don't bother me as much and, and you know i kind of come at this more from like the artistic perspective just because you know i'm not equipped to kind of handle the deeper thematic aspects of it i don't feel like it's it's my place to kind of say like no oh, this me neither accurate job of of portraying it i'm glad like i like i kind of like the arguments that are coming out the one thing i'll say kind of like from the political spectrum of it that i appreciate is the the pg-13 rating mm-hmm. um, yep. this is a film that easily could have been rated R, I think. I just assumed I like actually, just for that the never rarely seen. Yeah. You you assumed it was rated R? I mean I didn't until I looked it up, 
like afterwards, um, I just assumed it was rated R because everything that's like this is rated R. But I suppose um, to give um, Eliza Hitman credit, like you know, there's no there's no reason for it to be rated R, like at all. Like from watching no, the yeah, movie, yeah, the subject matter at all is is the only reason. And but that we made this mention. Uh, before eighth grade, where when we reviewed eighth grade, like way in the beginning of this podcast, where I said like this should not have been rated R. It has like two or three f words in eighth grade and pretty like direct sexual conversation, uh-huh. but nothing like really drastically over the top. But it's definitely a film that is geared towards a younger audience in mm-hmm. some ways, and it, I'm just glad like from that level that this is a PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but from an artistic standpoint, the reason I really I mean, I just, I adored this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably, it probably would have been my number two of last year as well. Like I keep comparing all the films from this year to the films of last year. Uh-huh. just because last year stunk. Um, well, apparently except for Portrait of Lady on Fire, but that didn't you know, come out. We're counting it this year. Yeah. For us last year. Yeah. Um, in, I mean, this is pretty close with Nightingale for me. Uh, but the thing I, I responded to it well enough. It's just like this real coherence and and direct ties to like neorealism. For some reason, like in the sense of the questions it raises don't necessarily do a disservice to the story, but they more put you in the place of kind of confusion um, and uncertainty that the main, that the care that, you know, Skylar and, autumn are in Mm -hmm. you know the questions it raises to you as an audience member like why would they lie like why would the crisis pregnancy center lie or even so much as like you know that scene of autumn kind of like doing the old autonomy over her body with like kind of giving herself the nose piercing like why is she doing this sort of thing um those questions it raises have this like italio calavino uh sense to them that's weird like to for me like like in the fact they're kind of like just thrown in the middle of it uh, like throw right in the middle of, of the story of I mean, this ongoing story and the questions it raises um, add to kind of this thematic uncertainty that's prevalent throughout you know the main characters like the fact that you know as much as Skylar presses Autumn and is supportive of Autumn and, and, and does, does you know and you know does things with Jasper that, that she doesn't want to do for autumn like autumn's still in the place where she can't really speak about what happened mm-hmm. you know skylar knows but she's still utterly off-putting with, with like not saying anything and autumn's still in a position where she doesn't necessarily know i mean that entire fucking questionnaire scene i'm glad that's movie i mean that's the title of this movie you know spoilers is, is just based off that scene yeah, yeah. that what seems amazing what yeah a four or five minute long single shot and i think it was like um i think they did two shots of that and it was sydney flanagan's first take they used and she's just fucking marvelous in this yeah like, she's amazing scene is just fantastic um that's like you asked me if onward made me cry and no like but this scene made me like tear up yeah that was just a tough the, one lost how lost she is in her eyes and um i don't know who plays the counselor with her uh, kelly chapman i mm-hmm. think plays that Schultz, Schultz worker yep like does a really good job of responding to it um but that that being lost and stuck in the moment kind of just has that i, I liked how it, it fits in so well 
uh, from a creative decision standpoint um, that it fits so well thematically and, and narratively mm-hmm. uh, in there. Like, like there's, there's a really solid craftsmanship um, that uh, Hitman did in, in, in melding the image, melding kind of, kind of the film she created and artistically the film she created with what the, the kind of emotional affect she's trying to present. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, because one of the things that kind of kept coming up to coming up in my mind when I was watching this, and I think it's just because we just talked about it and we just watched it, was um, Water Lilies. If only because we said a lot of times on the podcast that Water Lilies felt like a first feature. And I think the size of this movie kind of um, screams first feature upon just like a cursory viewing of it, like a first couple of minutes. You know what I mean? It looks like an old school, like independent movie. You know what I mean? You talk, you, you mentioned neorealism. I think that's the way, you know, when we were just talking about Godard and contempt and we were talking about breathless and all that other stuff. And he's in, in Cassavetes and all those people that kind of tried to dig into that, like realist, you know, that new modern realist like thing. I think this is the new, this is like the next direction. You know what I mean? Where it's almost like documentary style, filmmaking but with um an aesthetic that establishes it as a, establishes it as not a documentary what does that mean that means that like we're not going to get a clear sense of of who the father of that of of the baby is we get a hint that it could be that it could be her stepfather or her mother's boyfriend um we don't really get a uh, we don't read um, the Ryan Eggold character we don't get like a clear I I got yeah, I got I got an idea that it was the the boy in the auditorium. So, she, but like, this is the water. this is what I'm saying yeah. is that like she's 17, she lost her virginity at 14. She's had six sexual partners for them. The dad or the the Ryan Eggold character is making the stepdad, the boyfriend, whoever is making a lot of suggestive comments. He's clearly an alcoholic. They're giving her beer to drink. Um, I'm assuming because the mother is an alcoholic also, um, and it takes kind of like the take some of the guilt away if they're all drinking together. You know what I mean? Like the one person who can appropriately judge their behavior is also drinking. So she, they, she's complicit in, in, in their behavior also. Um, all that stuff is so well done. All that stuff is tied so perfectly to the aesthetic of like when they're on the train and stuff like that. It's a little easy. You know what I mean? It's a little um, like blue collar and I'm making air quotes here. You know what I mean? It's a little like stereotypical rust belt America, but I think it really works. Um, my, I think it's when it runs into that, um, the questionnaire scene, it becomes, it's like the moment when you kind of stop asking questions for a little bit and you stop worrying about, um, narrative flow or how well it like some of like the like the little things tied together like you kind of stopped caring about the suitcase and what the hell they were doing with that suitcase um you know what i mean you kind of forgot that the suitcase was there you kind of forgot um about everything um when she was doing that i think that's kind of where the power of the scene is is that for five minutes or so you're right with autumn you're literally in that room with her you're experiencing those emotions with her and they are really profound emotions um, I think if the if this doesn't take off in the way 
if it doesn't land in the way that I kept thinking it was going to land, it was because um, in the end, I'm not sure how well some of those, um, I don't know, like that it's neorealism almost gets in the way of, of like a satisfying narrative conclusion, because if it is the stepdad or her boy or her mother's boyfriend that like got her pregnant, that was abusing her. You know what I mean? Like there's also little kids involved here. Like, where does this leave Autumn? I don't, I never, I didn't get a clear sense of where this left her and where the story goes from here. And I don't, you don't need it. And, and I don't think Eliza Hitman needs to give it to us necessarily, but there are so many kind of loose threads and so many kind of, you know, um, strange, not strange, but just confusing inconsistencies, um, I think in terms of perspective too, me and my wife were talking about this this morning as well, like with, um, like, and we talked about it a little bit more that I, I began to wonder about it. And I, in for, uh, for, for parts of this movie, I didn't wonder. And I was just kind of in an emotional, you know, you were in an emotional cage with this character. Um, but then you just kind of, I just kept getting like kicked back out and I was wondering about stuff. Um, and then, so, you know, like the suitcase, like the idea that, you know, um, every male in this movie is a predator. And I understand that, that from a perspective shifting standpoint, that can be how she perceives, you know, this, you know what I mean? That every male is a predator. Some clearly someone that's been abused is to the level that she has been abused would perceive every male to be a predator, but then it's not a perspective thing. It's, it's a truth thing. You know what I mean? Jasper is a confirmation of her belief system that all of these males are predators. You know what I mean? And I just wonder what the value of that is. I wonder how that gets, um, that's almost cre- So in a movie where she's really trying hard to just focus everything on autumn, she, she inadvertently, it seems like, establishes a villain. Um, and I'm not sure that she really needed to establish a villain. You know what I mean? Um, and that just kind of, it just kind of threw me off a little bit. It set my head, it set my head asking like more questions than I think I really, I wanted to be asking or that I, that maybe she, and then this is where I talk about what I said before that I'm not sure that this is a movie for me. Um, or that I don't, I just don't feel fit to, because it's really just like all about the emotions, and I want to just focus on the emotions, but there's these weird narrative things that kind of get me focusing on other things. Um, and I th- suppose it's a movie, so I'm allowed to do that, you know what I mean? It's not someone's life story. But again, it is, it could, it's probably millions of people's life stories, I don't know. But it's presented in this neo-realistic but fictional way that it's not necessarily someone specific's life story. So it's hard, it's hard to judge. You know what I mean? It's hard to critique under that, under those circumstances. And uh, I agree in a lot of ways in in the sense that I feel like Hitman kind of, I feel like the thread, and I did notice that a lot of the males men in this film uh, were predators outside of the one guy who just wanted to give them directions and tell them to leave. Right. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The every which is which is just an accurate representation of New Yorkers. That's what my um, wife said. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't know if necessarily that was her 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 thematic intention. Um, it, like slightly it was, but like the way I kind of cons- like took the Jasper aspect of it was um, before she runs into the Kelly Chapman character, the social worker. Like every adult 
is is a fucking mess. R R just represents this really repressive, backwards idea. Mm-hmm. You know, that blue collar idea. Her mother, the stepfather, the store, uh, man, the grocery store manager, the the two people that work in the um. The crisis pregnancy center, mm-hmm. and it's not until she has that vulnerability with the social worker, and the social worker asks her, "Like, do you want me to be there?" And she says, "Yeah, you know." Yeah. That there's this kind of like uh, turnaround from Autumn being like, you know, like the stepfather says earlier, the Ryan Eggold character says, like, you know, you're always so like nasty, or I can't remember exactly what he says, but like when you're always so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. down or whatever, or neat. And, you know, it's immediately kind of followed that scene where Skylar kind of walks off and then she starts like looking for her and then she eventually finds her kissing, you know, Jasper, like mm-hmm. obviously just to get the money. And then she reaches out and grabs her hand. Yeah. Like that show of support. And I kind of took the, like the, the entire Jasper subplot has more just kind of a continuation of Autumn's growth. Um, and the reason I felt like for me, this had a nice narrative uh, conclusion was the fact that like, you know, the Kelly Chapman character says like, Hey, here's a number, you know, call me and I'll reach you. I'll reach out with people you can get in touch with. And so like, it still ends in the middle of the story, but at least there's like this glimmer of hope, this outside of this world that she's been kind of like entrapped by. Yep. Um, that there's somebody, a, a decent adult human being, a decent person who's going to give her the resources to find something. That's what I took from it. I took from it like a really, like she still can't tell Skylar what the fuck happened. Cause yeah, like, she's yeah, not yeah. there yet. But she now has like just the littlest resources to get her there. Well, that's and that's the thing. So that's very admirable. That's like it's very admirable, and I and I I agree with you. I think one of the things that I kind of carried with me throughout was like the the idea of the suitcase and you know the fact that it never got addressed. It's clearly like very heavy and all this other stuff. And part of me at the end of the movie was just like, I bet they don't go home. Like I took it as like baggage. I took it as like the baggage. But I feel like carrying. she's a better filmmaker than that. You know like, what I mean? Maybe like yeah, it's easier. It's easier than that. I think. I mean that's too easy. I so think. my whole thing was like I said, my whole thing was like they're not gonna go home. Like she's gonna she's gonna save herself from whatever. And they're gonna not go back to where they're from. They're gonna they're gonna try to start a new life somewhere else because like there's gonna be again when you go home, they stole that money. You know, I worked in retail. You worked in retail with drawer counting and like shortages and stuff like that. You know, what I mean, that's like not nothing, especially in like I stole I stole many textbooks from Larry. <laughs> Especially in, um, luckily, none of, no one involved with that place listens to this podcast, so we don't ever have to worry about answering to any of that. Um, but like, especially in a, place, I didn't steal any textbooks. No, neither was still any textbooks. Um, they're gonna have to answer for this stuff. You know what I mean? Even if people that like don't care, they're gonna have to answer for this. So that's why I kind of got the idea that like the intention was always just to take care of this, and then they were gonna use this as a jumping-off point to kind of restart their life. But it, I, you know, again, it makes it seem like it makes it seem like they're not gonna do. It makes it seem like they're not gonna do that. They're gonna go home, and I suppose it is a worthy conclusion to say like the thing she gets out of this is that there is one person. There's two people in the world that she can trust. You know what I mean? There's the social worker and there's um, Skyler. That's it. Like those are the well, two. Those are the two people. Um, and, and I think. And I think it's. I think it's like a changing a frame though. Like because how honestly realistic would it have been? Like it would have been a great film ending for them to just be like, "Fuck it, we're going off on our own adventure." Like going off on our own. 
but like realistically you're going to go back to your family right like yeah 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 now, yeah she's still she's still stole the money there's still the possibility of sex like the uh, of sexual abuse in the household but now she has the resources by which if she gets caught and out for like stealing the money you know there's a bunch of young girls working in that grocery store who <laughs> at the very least they can blackmail that manager yeah. or, or like extort that manager or like you know have even if they get like taken down for it there's at least a reasonable reason like we can assume that had that okay store, had that store manager not been a huge piece of shit yep okay you know, they probably would have never taken the money you know she has the resources now to kind of like if she is being abused by her stepfather she can finally come out of that shell to say something about it. that's why i took from that. so you just that's how you would do real things you said the key word the key phrase here though and if we this is a real episode of this podcast i might even title the the podcast this which is we can assume so eliza hitman is using is allowing us to do a lot of assuming here um and like and we talk what did we talk about this we talked about this with something else too where or maybe it was a book that i was reading or something where it seemed like the the author of the film or of the uh, you know the director of the film or the author of the book or whatever was doing was just leaving a lot of stuff up to um oh it was it was um it, uh, this this writer Jenny Offal who just released this novel called Weather um and i was just i read O-F-F-A-L? all of OFFILL um yeah. she so it's uh, it's a new book it's about um uh, a woman kind of trying to come to grips with the fact that, you know, um, climate change is essentially just like eating her world. Um, and like nothing that she does seems like it matters at all. And she has to make all these choices and they all seem to run contrary to the idea of like helping climate change and all this other stuff. And I, I wrote in my essay, cause I wrote about these, the her three novels that like, she seems to do a lot of assuming, um, of certain aspects of like reality that we all have like some of the same, not the same experiences, but we all just understand certain aspects of how these things are going to go. And I think that's a lot of that stuff is happening here. And again, it's not necessarily to the detriment of the film itself. It's to the detriment of, um, because I think it does work as a piece of, it does, it works as a piece of art. Um, there is, so when I mentioned like the idea of a first feature before, there are no shots in in Celine Sciamma's Water Lilies that are as profound as the 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 joined hands when she's when she's having the first stage of the abortion. You know what I mean? Where you can't even really see a difference between the Autumn's hand and the social worker's hand. It just seems like it's a it just it's like a continuous bone you know what i mean it's a continuous piece of skin you can't even see like a shadow between the hands or anything like that and you kind of have to you, it takes you a beat to kind of be like oh it's two people's hands it's not just like one arm continuing from one person to another person that's a great shot i even commented when i was watching i was like that's a great fucking shot um but there's some of the i don't know some of the cultural things in terms of of where autumn comes from that I I almost feel like she takes them like a little bit for granted. You know what I mean? Because she, I guess they put that guy in there. I suppose we're supposed to come away with it, assuming that if they did get in trouble for stealing the money, they'd be able to blackmail or they'd be able to say like, this guy's been sucking on our hand every time we like put our money through. You know what I mean? But is that necessarily the case? You know what I mean? This is, we've already they've established sort of that this is a fairly... I don't know. 
red community. This is this is the reason why Trump is president community. Yes. And would they believe these two girls? You know what I mean? Because at some point they're going to be like, where were you for three days? And, you know, if it comes out that they she was having an abortion or whatever, like, like, is that going to go against her again? This is this is extra thinking that I don't want to do. But because of these weird, not, not weird things, because of these little just like hanging things, like it kind of, I, I feel like compelled to do them. But I think... Well, see, I... But I think, but here's the thing. I felt about this way a way that I didn't feel about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and there's no reason to compare them. But like this movie, when it hits, when it hit, hit me fucking hard. So like again, the the scene, you know, the interrogation, not the interrogation scene, the questionnaire scene, just her, or even the scene directly after she leaves that facility when she's just walking through the subway, and you're just like, she's gonna spend another night riding the subway. Like, that's going to happen? She just had this thing happen to her and she's going to spend another night doing that? That shit fucking hurt. You know what I mean? That stuff, that, like, I felt that interiorly in a way that, like, I didn't feel any of, like, the um, the Portrait of a Lady on Fire stuff. Um, where it didn't hit, like, emotionally, it hit intellectually. Um, and again, so it's it's hitting me emotionally and it's leaving some of the intellectual things that I look for in a movie kind of un fulfilled is that like appropriate i don't know i i think that's a, a fair takeaway you didn't finish your jenny awful thought though so I, was, I was curious about about where that was going oh i thought, thought i did it's similar oh i just didn't know if you really finished how you thought they were similar oh i did i think like, you i think you froze during that point oh okay i didn't i, didn't, I yeah our connection is a little it, we're not losing sound this time, but I am definitely losing like frames. Me too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're definitely yeah. your your video is far behind my um thing. Um, okay, sorry. So no, no, that's that's fine. Just um, I could go back to it. No, I just I was talking about the uh, um, I don't remember. It's gone. I think I was okay, talking about the ideal right. of intention, like intentionality. Um, you were you were, you were saying like uh, making somebody assume assume. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So I was just she assumes a lot of she assumes that we're all kind of experiencing roughly the same thing. That's uh, that's and I said I said all that stuff. Oh okay. Um, which which I think is fair, and I, I think it's, or that we all it's, sorry it's, not, feel- that we all assume certain things are true about the world and not that like, it's like the specificity of, 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 of autumn's life to my life. That's not true, but I assume that things are happening in autumn's life. Exactly how they are happening in the movie. You know what I mean? In the same places. Um, and I think that's that's all empathetic to this. You're empathetic. You can be empathetic to the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is fair. Cause I, 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 I guess my takeaway is that like, all art doesn't necessarily need to appeal to all audiences. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to like the, what, what the world around her is going to do is, is a big question mark. Yeah. You know, like it's, 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 it's obvious. They obviously probably have a negative response to that, but she still has the resources to get out of that world. Um, or not maybe the resources, but she still has the, the the networking to get out of that world. At least that she's she's not of that world. She comes Her away. And Skyler are both not. Yeah, she comes out of it from with, that world. She comes out of it with tools 
with physical tools and the phone number. She comes out of it with, we assume, emotional tools in um, how she regards the help that Autumn has given her and the, like that relationship and what that means to her, you know what I mean? With the, 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 the finger, the holding hands during that scene is, is clear evidence of that, even if they don't like express it with words so much. I kept waiting for her to say thank you, but I, she didn't have to say thank you. She just did that thing. Um, but there's just there's other things. There's no, other things that I worry, and that's again, I just you just worry about her, and you like, you just kind of you know, not a not to make this a dark tower thing. There's no reason to compare this to like Stephen King's most ludicrous series of books. But the way that Dark Tower ends with like, now we're gonna start this again, but I'm gonna have the I'm gonna have the horn of Eld. You know what I mean? Um Maybe that's a little bit here where like maybe this stuff happens again, but now I have this, I've passed this test. I understand these things about myself. I understand these things about like how this works. Can I use that to my advantage in um, kind of like establishing an equilibrium in my own life or in her own life or in the life of her, um, her sisters, you know what I mean? And in the life of her friends going forward. Um, there's all of those things, and they're all just hanging there. And some of those I'm totally cool with, and some of those make me want to know more things. Well, I think, and I think that's a struggle. As, as I like, I prefer when films kind of leave a lot of those things hanging, if especially if there's an uncertainty about how to present those things. Um, watching this, I was also I thought back to like Derek Sienna France's films. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like Blue Valentine and Place Beyond the Pines, and both of those movies, Blue Valentine's fine. Um, but I think both of those miss wildly miss the mark because they feel like somebody trying to make answers to questions that they don't understand right. at all. Um, that they think they can answer, they think they have a, a a solution to those kind of questions from from this kind of blue collar rust world. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though I like Blue Valentine and I have mixed feelings for Place Beyond the Pines, I feel like see it, France. Like kind of it goes towards those questions or that world with answers, whereas kind of like Hitman leaves it open and kind of like presents the world she knows and tries to present the world maybe she doesn't know. I don't know if she does know her or not, but it's it is there's a more of a comfort with this kind of New York world than there's with this Pennsylvania world at least. Yeah. Um, but she leaves it kind of open ended in it, and that to me feels more naturalistic. That well, feels like this bigger sense of hope and this bigger sense of, of possible conclusion than what you would see in something like blue Valentine. Well, the scene in France, um, comparisons actually is, is kind of fascinating. And I think one of the big differences is that he doesn't ever seem to give a shit about any of these characters. They're just aesthetic ideas. You know what I mean? More so than they are, like fully lived in people. It's the reason that Blue Valentine doesn't get more play. He, just, he really just doesn't like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> it's the reason that Blue Va- Valentine, I don't think, gets more play in this kind of like damaged relationship um, type of movie. You know what I mean? And I remember we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Marriage Story. And like Marriage Story seemed like it was people were talking about it as like the pinnacle of the damaged relationship thing. And I think even in terms of. You know, you have Blue Valentine, you know, was a huge damage relationship movie. I think also um, 
you know, Manchester by the Sea is a big damage relationship movie and, and all this other stuff, but he doesn't seem to give a shit about his characters. They're just they're just conceits. Where um yeah. Hitman clearly is empathizing and presenting with us a character she wants us to empathize with and that we should and that fucking deserves our empathy you know what i mean she doesn't deserve the shit that she gets from those um people in pennsylvania or the people lined up outside the planned parenthood in in brooklyn um you know whatever happened to her is not the result of negligence or like poor character it's could be any number of other things. Um, and so she presents it to us as, and that's, I think that's, and that's real. And that's, but again, this is, we're living in a stupidly divided country where like you either have, you have to be on like one side or the other on this. Um, unfortunately, even if she was abused, even if she was raped, even if she was like, assaulted, you know what I mean? You know, half of the country says, or a little less than half the country that says doesn't matter. Gotta have that baby. A little less. A little less. It's hard to tell now, Mario. It's hard to tell. Yeah. I think it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to separate the people that will not listen to uh, you know social distancing policies and the and, and people that um, you know support making Autumn have that baby. Um, and we're going into political territory here that we don't necessarily want to go into. The funny thing is, is the funny thing is, is those are actually separate groups of people too. Like those are those aren't a one to one crossover. No, it's it's. I think this is making everything much more complicated as we ease into November here, um, or we lurch into November, or we do whatever into November. Um, yeah, um, but no, just from an artistic standpoint, I think as a relatively. So it's her third feature, but still feels like she's getting a sense of her style. It's just, I think, works on that kind of that level of, of what it's set out, what it sets out to do. I in think terms it, of like adding not too many narrative or visual flourishes um, while still maintaining everything in this very centered, rounded world. I think it's um, in a, I think it's an achievement in that. Um, and I kind of thought so when I, a little bit when I was watching it aesthetically is that it, um, seems to kind of draw new, write new rules for, um, you know, modern 21st century realism. Um, what you can do and what you should do. Um, I think, I think it's narratively where it's still trying to find itself. Um, and I, and I think we're, I think as a, as a culture, we're still trying to find ourselves. And I, you know, whenever I, we, you run into these movies, did you read the Armand White review of this one? I feel like I ask you about no, that on no, every no, no. review. It's, it's, it's also very, it's also very good. And I occasionally, I occasionally read a Guy Lodge review and I occasionally read a Brody review and that's about it. Yeah. Um, Guy Lodge and Brody are the only two people I, I read reviews for sometimes owen gleberman sometimes owen gleberman when he just goes like crazy like when he crazy loves a movie i like reading like gleberman's like, i i also love reading oh reading owen gleberman's autobiography is good for that same reason because like when he loves a movie he just loves the shit out of it and it's actually like uncomfortable like, i i kind of i kind of hope he's like that sort of positive in real life because like when he hates a movie he's kind of like this is bad but he loves the movie he's like oh my god Everything about this was great. Yeah. 
He just sounds like a guy who consumed a shit ton of MDMA like 20 years ago, and it's still rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, the Armand White review is exactly as you um, could imagine. I think I talked about it a couple weeks ago when I talked about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and he just kind of derided these female filmmakers who see um, like abortions as uh, evidence of like a, a, like a feminist movement, you know what I mean? Or like a togetherness thing. Um, or proof of, of, of female empowerment, like the idea that like women will help other women have abortions. And he criticized this movie for that as well. That's my cat trying to get in the room. Um, but to... We're not, in, we're not in the film Paranormal Activity 7? No. To his... To his... The point that he's not making, which but I will say for him, is that he... I don't think we've 100% as a culture figured out how to talk about this stuff. Um, like seamlessly or without, without kind of bumpiness. But I also think that I don't know if we're, there should be movies that talk about this, like, uh, you know, um, a, a girl's decision to have an abortion or a woman's decision to have an abortion or anybody's decision to have an abortion or a woman's like decision to do anything with her body or who to love her or anything that that is like that man or woman or whatever gender blah blah blah. I don't think there is an easy way or a seamless way or a super comfortable way of talking about it. So I think from that perspective, it's incumbent upon people like to it's incumbent upon film watchers to kind of start to broaden their sense of what um or to. Or to broaden their their expectations, you know what I mean, or to broaden their sense well, of what a movie I, could, one of these movies could be. Well, I guess that's kind of kind of interesting that you say that. Is is maybe like from my political proclivity, I came to this in a sense of like I don't like that question doesn't even come across my mind because like when it comes to the issue of like just personally when it comes to the issue of like abortion, I'm of the political mind that 49 percent of the voting population, let's say that's the men male population of the country. Uh, their opinion doesn't fucking matter. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah men, me too. I don't think I don't I don't think men get a voice in, in the abortion argument. I don't think they deserve it. Like, if if it was up to me and there was a direct representation of being able to vote on laws or whatnot, men would not have a, a voice in this. Well, we are one hundred percent agreement on that. Yeah, yeah. Like, they get a voice after that in terms of like, well, let's say you support an abortion, a woman decides not to have one. And then it comes to like a child support issue. Then we can have our, then we can have discussions about where men's voices matter. Um, but like from an abortion, like when it comes to just films about abortion or art about abortion, I'm like, fuck it. If I don't want to watch a man making a movie about that. Um, no, 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 no. Like, unless it's about like a man dealing with like the repercussion, like dealing with his feelings about it or whatnot. I don't know. Well, I feel um, like that's, that's the next S. Craig. That's the next S. Craig Zeller movie. Um, yeah, I don't know <laughs> where, where the abortion is caused. by Poor like, Jennifer the, Carpenter is going to get it in that the one. Baby, also. Yeah. The, or no, the baby gets born and then shot in the head. <laughs> I assume that will happen. It's Von oh, we can't laugh at We can't laugh at that at all. Um, sure. It's fine. I think it's fine. Uh, <laughs> S. Craig Zeller remakes <laughs> the Nightingale. Infocide is always funny. Um, I mean, yeah, that is, that's actually another movie. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of movies with baby. Not baby. Well, one movie with baby death and two other movies with abortion. But your comparison between those two movies—they're they're, they're, not—they're not—they're not the same thing at all. Like one's a child and one's yeah, a yeah, yeah. Cells. But, but um, yeah, in my yeah. opinion, Continue. um, 
but yeah, like like when it comes to those things, like uh, I'm fine with these movies existing, and I don't think there's any position to really have any th- ground to stand on about like, oh, this shouldn't be a thing because you don't fucking know. You're you're nothing. You're, 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 nothing in this argument you well no somebody's basis. experience you know what i mean but to stand on yeah, yeah i'm sick of the idea that like all art has to be um relevant to all people you know what i mean so if like you haven't had the experience then the art is somehow like delegitimized or something like that it's totally not the case you know what i mean no, this art, movie art doesn't, necess- doesn't need to be inclusive no i mean the 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 pain here is 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 um the specifics of how the pain is was come to that was said terribly um is specific to this person and is perhaps specific to um this to women but it's from like an emotional standpoint just like a general emotional standpoint that stuff is universal you know what i mean like the 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 hopelessness uh or the feeling of hopelessness or the feeling of entrapment or the feeling of drowning i'd call it drowning yeah yeah, yeah. Drowning. that's all that's all universal and you're going to experience that in your life doing like a ton of other stuff but if you have or haven't if you haven't that doesn't make this any less worthy or legitimate or powerful movie exactly. it just means that you haven't lived enough life i feel like i just feel like armand white's getting lazy that's my that's my problem with armand white oh he's getting super he's yeah. like a real you used to have this like real perfunctory sense of getting a negative review out there, and now he's just kind of like realistic, resting kind of like on easy answers. Well, but I mean, if you look at Armand, like, I feel like I feel like Armand White eight years ago would have been like, you know what, that was bad about this film is it really doesn't address the actual issues in the transportation yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't take into consideration a bus from Penn. at all represents. And it's just undermining the actual kind of working class dilemma. Yeah. No, While still making like conservative. He would have done that like eight years ago. And he just doesn't do that anymore. Well, that's the thing. I mean, he, but he devalidated himself. Like his, his general, the general idea of his, um, uh, of his, I don't know, disagreement with the general critics perspective of, of 12 years a slave is I don't think correct, but I think is 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 sound, and, and it it made me think of things also when I watched that movie. Like this is a beautiful, this is the most beautiful slavery movie ever made, and that has that has that's like a valid statement. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a valid thing to say. Like you made a movie about the worst thing ever and made it look like you know something like tremendously beautiful. You know what I mean? That's not that's not un. That's not unreasonable, but then he takes it to like another level by quoting. I don't even remember what the movie was that he said like did it better, but it's like a movie that like barely exists anymore. You know what I mean? He's like, well, this movie clearly is better than this movie because of X, Y, and Z, and then he shouts all that stuff at Steve McQueen, and now it seems like all the time he's just making these totally ridiculous arguments about these movies that have no real basis in reality. It's just like, well, that's not. I follow a very specific set of Christian values and this movie doesn't adhere to those Christian values and therefore it is bad. And in the only movies that he kind of like, it's not necessarily Christian movies. It's movies that are so ambiguous about their, um, their religious belief affiliation that he can tie 
his own religious beliefs to that movie. You know what I mean? And that's like how he does stuff. Um, I don't know how we got talking about. I mean, I know how we got talking about. It. I mentioned Armand White. Um, but no, we got talking about Armand White. That's why I kind of like. I used to really enjoy reading Armand White's kind of very divisive troll-like kind of reviews, um, just because they kind of had this like thought behind them. And now he just kind of goes for the low-hanging fruit. That's a that's a bummer. Mm. I wish there was a reviewer that took up his mantle of like just negatively reviewing movies, but like finding a thing to like do to like negative review that like somebody would walk away from that going like that guy's clearly just bullshitting mm-hmm. but like he's not wrong he's not wrong on that argument you know right yeah, yeah. like that's why i kind of i missed i missed that about armand white but uh no overall i just this is a just a great piece of, of filmmaking for um it is and it it's a, f- a film that i think is gonna it's gonna hang out for a little bit in my head Spend the twenty dollars on this and not on the hunt. I, I don't think people were spending twenty dollars on the hunt. No, I think no, people no. had kind of said no to the hunt. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the hunt was going to make that much money, and coronavirus or not, I think that movie is going to make eleven million dollars. Well, I loved listening to like on the Ringer they talk about the hunt. They talked about the hunt for like three weeks, um, and they're just like, "This is the perfect movie for this." It's like has all this controversy, and it's like people don't care about that stuff anymore. You know what I mean? Anyone that really wanted to see it has already seen it. They just streamed it illegally, and anyone that didn't want to see it, like, is just going to wait for it to come on to one of those, you know, things they subscribe to. Did you? Pay yeah, I watched it, but I saw it. Yeah, it sure. was good um, l- legally. No, it was bad. <laughs> I only watched it because I was like, I had heard that it was pretty gory. And you know me, and I just like gory movies, uh-huh. um, or just like I like movies that do gore well. It's not fourth thing; it's not that gory. And for a second thing, it doesn't do it well. It's like watching a shitty Belko experiment. Belko experiment's fun. If you're gonna watch, if you're thinking about watching The Hunt, watch Belko experiment, or that other movie, that Stephen Chung movie that's also set in an office about people killing each other in an office. It's like a zombie thing. Not remember. Hmm. Stephen Chung is that his name, the guy from. Um, the guy from Walking Dead and uh, oh Stephen Yun. What the hell is that? Stephen Young, yeah. Yeah. What the hell was else was he in? Just he was just in Burning. Um, Burning, yeah, yeah. Like those movies. I think uh, Samara Weaving's in that too. I can't remember what the movie's called. Watch those movies instead of The Hunt. Mm-hmm. The Hunt's doing the same thing, but it's not. It's not fun. It's not fun. No, There's I definitely fun about it. Definitely. Betty Gilpin's okay. Yeah, and I like. I like. That's my. That's my that's my really short review of the hunt. It's Hilla- not good. Is Hillary, Hillary Swank? Swank really wanted a really wanted a paycheck and she got it. Betty Gilpin, even Betty Gilpin, I think, is just looking for a paycheck. Poor Betty Gilpin. She's still got that last season of Glow coming up. Well, they stopped. I mean, they, it's going to be a while because they stopped filming it because of stupid coronavirus. So. I remember when I watched that first season of Glow and I was like, I'm only doing this for Mark Maron. I'm only doing this for Mark Maron. And then they announced the second season. And I was like, I'm not not doing it anymore. I'm just not doing it. I'm a wrestling fan. And I just didn't watch it because I don't care. I don't watch Netflix things, I've realized. Outside, I don't watch their shows. I don't watch their... I watch some of their movies. I just don't give a shit about Netflix. I, Why just this, don't... Maybe we're finish on this. Maybe we can finish on this. So, like, this big Netflix outpouring of stuff has happened, right? 
Like, um, are you referencing something specific? Since, like since coronavirus, like everyone's watching the platform. Oh yeah, and Tiger Everyone King. Tiger King and uh, Life is, is Love is Blind. Is that Netflix? Love is Blind. Yeah. Uh, I I don't. I mean, I typically would not give a shit about Tiger King or Love is Blind. Um, but I just don't give a fuck about platform either. No, I don't. Like I mean, everything Netflix, like the movies Netflix are released, like Spencer Confidential, don't give a shit about. I'm all done. Um, they, I mean, there's a weird uh, brand. Mank, I'll watch. I'll watch. I'll watch Mank. Well, yeah, but that's not because well, it's Netflix. It's because it's David Fincher. So it's the thing. There's this yeah. weird brand loyalty thing that's happening now with television, where people are just like, "Well, I'm an FX person, or I'm a Netflix person." They just watch all the things that a certain, you know, um, media conglomerate just throws out at you and. I just can't. I just can't do it. You know what I mean? No, I don't. I don't it, give a shit. Like, who cares? Decent. Like, I'm probably gonna go downstairs after this is done and watch like the first episode of Tales from the, of the Loop or whatever, just because that seemed. But that's not a Netflix thing. It's Jonathan Price is in that. Well, it's a, it's an Amazon. That's an Amazon uh, Prime. Oh, Amazon right? Prime. Yeah. Like, but it, again, I'll just keep it a watch because it seems fucking. It seems interesting. But, like people are like, oh, I watch all these things on Netflix, and I just go on Netflix to see what's on. And I'm like, no, you gotta fucking like. Give me a trailer and sell it for me. What's well, a week? Like, maybe I'll see this. Maybe I'll see this. I might watch this Crimson Hemsworth movie just because, like the like from the trailer, it seems like the action shots are actually kind of well choreographed. Well, people and keep so telling maybe us. Maybe I'll watch that if it's like if it's like a good shot action movie. Yeah, sure, I'll be interested. People keep telling us like to watch things, and then I'm of the mind like I would just rather watch reruns of Frasier and then go to bed, and then. Um, my wife just wants to watch new things, but she doesn't want to watch any of this new stuff either. So she just started watching Sherlock and Sherlock is pretty Sherlock, good. I, actually, I like Sherlock. You know what I did today? I, I could have watched Tiger King. I don't know how long Tiger King is. How long is Tiger King? Maybe like it's like seven episodes, hours, seven episodes, so like seven hours. Mm-hmm. Right. I watched for seven hours, an Irish man playing final fantasy seven remake. And I was very entertained by it on Twitch. I was highly entertained by just watching that. It, you know why? Because that's like something that appeals to me. Me and my son played Final Fantasy VII, the original, for like two hours today. Speaking of which, it, it's different. I heard. Remake is different. Um, like from a story standpoint. Too. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play it just because I just, I can't get it. I prefer watching people play video games outside of Slay the Spire. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to the point now. It's, a, it's just a card video game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get to a point where I like watching people play video games, but like playing a video game seems like a chore to me. I don't, I, I can't commiserate. Your cat, your cat agrees. Like I said that and, and she or he, is it a she or he? He, he just wants to eat. He went, he just, he's looking. I do want to play. I don't know. I've I've like trying to use this, this quarantine. And once again, guys, if you are here for the movie talk, it's done. Um, I'm trying to use quarantine ago. to get like excited about video games and like get back into video games heavily. And I just keep finding I've been playing a lot of Two Point Hospital and Slay the Spire, which are just a hospital. You're a hospital manager in a game where you're just building up cards to fight things in a row. Like, and it's just I realize games I like now are just math. Just like well, I'm playing. Math. You just want to pass the time. Animal Cross. Animal Crossing is appeal. I almost want to get a switch to get Animal Crossing because I heard there's a stock market feature and there's oh, like a wow. math feature in Animal Crossing. And I'm like, that sounds like fun. 
No, you just want to pass the time. That's we've been playing a lot of, you know, like Mario Kart. You know, just stuff where you can yeah. just lose like an hour, like you know, play a couple of races, and you're just like, well, that hour left. Goodbye. But like, there's like this weird fulfillment in that, and but like, yeah, I don't know, watching something like Tiger King, or Love Is Blind, or um, I don't know. I wouldn't give it. I wouldn't say platform necessarily. Platform just doesn't appeal to me because it seems like. Spanish body horror just goes a little too far with the gore for me. Like, especially like Tiger King or Love is Blind or, or some of these other things. Like, I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice by watching these things. Like, I feel like I am committing a violence against myself. Well, this is where I think the Criterion Channel really comes in, into play because even I didn't... Oh, I've been watching a lot of that. So with the movie that we were going to talk about this week, um, I watched and I didn't... We'll have to talk... We're going to talk about it next week. Um, and I'm hoping because of the week, to, you know, interlude, I'll, I'll I'll go through some more of that director's stuff. Well, yeah, um, that's kind of, that kind, of, kind of the reason I wanted to postpone the Bresson talk was because I watched you see like pickpocket. I was least. unmoved, to say the least, by the movie we were going to talk about. But yeah, it the was we were talking about. I'm not a great fan of, but the rest of his filmography, I right? Enjoyed. But I would say that it was infinitely more valuable a use of an hour and a half of my time than watching. Any of the things that people are almost forcing me to watch on like Netflix or whatever, any of these new terrible yeah. things. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like it's not necessarily like oh because it's Netflix done or oh because it's whatever done. It's no, just, it just sucks. It's just not. It's not quality. Like like I'm going to give Tales from a Loop an episode just because like I'm interested by it. it has this like amazing stories kind of feel to it almost. It's yeah. just like I gave uh, Jordan Peele's Tales from the Tales uh, Twilight Zone a chance. I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but like at least it seemed like it was trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Like these shows, they're not fucking doing anything. That's just since, and I never got into like I was always very against like serial and then subsequently making a mur- making of a murderer, um, and all that yeah. other stuff. I just it's just your, your it's, cat. Your cat once again agrees. Come here, Foof. The only I- time I want to watch, the only time I. Wanna- to watch something that's stupid and kind of brain dead like that is something that's either based around like talking about like movies or something that's based around like cooking but it's based around like these like real dramatic moments in life it's just like you're gonna do you're gonna paint like the most like passe dull version of it it's it's like not art it's not creative it's not interesting can i ask you a question garbage i i when i was watching um Never really, sometimes always, I was thinking about how my viewing experience was informed by, like, our current life situation. You know what I mean? If our life situation was normal and I went to Bethel on a Wednesday morning and, you know, got a Dunkin' Donuts on the way and listened to, you know, a, a, a podcast while I was driving or whatever and just kind of caught it with a, six other weirdos that go see movies on Wednesday morning in Bethel, if my if I would have had a different reaction to it, you know what I mean? Like, I almost feel like I was, it's everything's so heavy now that like it's heaviness was, I, I was almost kind of like rejecting it a little bit. And I kind of had to keep pulling myself back into it. Um, because it's like, Oh, it's just heaviness on top of heaviness. It's like, you know, social problem on top of social problem. I think it's the reason that everyone's kind of checked out of the presidential you know, election cycle because everyone's just like, I can't think about all these things at once. I can't think about the idea yeah. of Donald Trump getting four more years 
and the coronavirus. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't think of um, my. I can't think of how many rolls of toilet paper I have under my sink, and Donald Trump being president, and coronavirus, and never, rarely, sometimes, always. I can't. It's just too many things. Don't forget about the economy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and whether or not I should be uh, getting takeout food, and whether or not you know. All the places that I love are going to disappear in a little bit, or the record store that I love is going to disappear, or any of these things. You know, that's you know, the only thing that changed my viewing of some of these films is like the things they do in it. I'm like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, it never really, yes. sometimes, always, where she lays down on the like subway, the subway like chair, mm-hmm. like puts her face against. Them. I'm like, no. Yeah. Or there's a part where like they like grab the turnstile and she like scratches her head, and I'm like, oh no. No, there's the scene when they're both those things. when they're sharing the like the buns. And me and my wife were just like, oh, no, you can't sh- share buns. You can't take a bite of something and then stick it in someone else's mouth. It's terrible. Yeah, that's that's actually, like, I could take heaviness still. Like, I, can, I don't know. I can't take maybe, like, real deep existential dread. I can get, I'm, I'm good with it now. Like, movies like this or, like, Portrait of a Lady on Fire or something that's, like, thing or things that are thematically heavy. Like, Mirror or Moslav Tarkovsky's filmography or... You know, um, I can handle those things now. Definitely, for, I can handle those. Mm-hmm. But I do notice when people are not exhibiting grossly exceptional hygiene. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. So it's weird. This is gonna be a weird year because Portrait of Lady on Fire, I think, is now escapism. Like it's such a cinematic experience. Like whatever societal whatever you want to throw on top of Portrait of Lady on Fire, I don't even really care. It's that shit's a fucking movie. You know what I mean? Well, it's funny. Well, it's like, funny I'm not like watching that these... for, like, societal, like, knowledge. I'm just watching it because it is a sumptuous cinematic experience. Well, you read all these articles or, like, like fan reviews or, or listener or, like, Reddit forums and whatnot or, you know, various articles about, like, if the Oscars have to happen next year, which they do. And so many of them say, like, they should change the rules to let Portrait of a Lady on Fire compete. <laughs> I wonder... I think that's... I think there's, like, this, like, under... Like this, this, this like vein of Kino that's like this movie needs like like its moment now. Like I, w- I wonder if it could though because a lot of us through because it didn't get selected by France, so it didn't officially run. I don't think as anything because I don't think it was. I'm not. I didn't get the impression from listening to a bunch of podcasts and reading about this stuff that it was running. In like best picture, it was running in best think, actress or supporting actor or director or anything like that. I think it was just running in best foreign feature. But it got it got that IFC it got that IFC run though. It got that week run in New York that it needed. So, but does it matter? I mean, if it doesn't, then what? Then what other movies? Then you have to like, oh, we're gonna do a redo of twenty nineteen. But this is where we. But this is or where like you'd had to have a U.S. release, I guess. But again, this is where we are. Like you had to have a U.S. release of at least two hundred and fifty screens by like. But here, but here's the thing, Mario. Competition, Mario. This is where we are, though. In 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 Oscar stuff. Not that this. Not that this matters at all, because I actually think this is the year when the Oscars kind of explode and disappear into the nothing. Is that you have a movie like Onward, which is uh, you know Disney Company, which owns ABC, which airs the Oscars. Are you going to tell me that Onward is not going to be eligible for an Oscar this year? Absolutely not. No, they'll change. They'll so they change. will change. They will change rules to fit like best, you know, their best, um, 
version of what they think they still should be. So if that well, cuz they're not going to have Top Albert, Gun getting a best picture nomination. They won't Onward do it. already qualify? But Onward had the uh Onward had that 4 weeks, I thought. I don't think it had 4 weeks. I think it only it had, had 2. Least, it, no, it had at least 3. But so it, it'll it'll have no, to be Oh, you're right. It was only, it was only 2. It was only 2. It was only right. 2 yeah. and that third week is kind of like an air quotes week. The week that it won with only 10 million dollars. And then that Christian film had like eight million dollars or something. Well, no, I think it's third week. That third week, there was that indie film that got like the sixty, like the six thousand dollars. That one. The second week was the year the week get one with ten million. Oh, okay, so yeah, so we'll. I mean, yeah, because it's third week. It only made seventy thousand dollars in yeah. uh, drive-in theaters. Because they're, so that's the thing. So they're going to have the the Oscars if they want to be relevant are going to have to answer the questions. Um, and if. I think I think the Oscars just push everything back to like I think you'll see the Oscars like take a Grammy or Emmy form, like they just start happening like in June. Mm, yeah, or they do like a year and a half of movie. Like they do like they take a year off and maybe they come back like in. Or they just push it. 20, they push it back so like the seasons, the, the seasons for the seasons like fourteen months long, or sixteen months long, and it leaves out the kind of four months where there is no movies or whatever. You know what I mean? Or where no one was going to movies, and then they kind of they um, they hold the ceremony in, in in June, but then everything kind of picks back up again. This is uh, Liza Schlesinger wins her Best Supporting Actress Oscar for a uh, for a uh, Spencer Confidential. No, then we're done. As a, I don't care where we are on the list, if Eliza Schlesinger wins, <laughs> gets nominated for an Oscar, is even on the long list for an Oscar, then I'm out. I still I still I'm find out. it funny that now it's it's very. It's very likely that Elizabeth Moss gets in there. You make that you made that joke, but it's it's now a real possibility. Well, I just think they've been kind of dancing around the Elizabeth Moss nomination for years, and they just like don't want to do it for some reason. The Emmys love Elizabeth Moss, and for some reason, the Academy Awards hate her. So and then they're finally gonna be like, "Well, guys, Invisible Man, it is." Or or this year they're just like, "Oh yeah, and Clemency could run too," and also Destroyer. We're gonna go back two years for that one. Actually, yeah, the 2020 Oscars will just be films that were forgotten. Films that they just really fucked up on. That everyone Guys, was just... Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn, you get to run again for Requiem. Yes. We know you got nominated, but you get to go again. Listen, we're if... playing Julia Roberts. We're pulling Julia Roberts in that category again too. <laughs> if if pollution goes down and uh, you know the the sound pollution goes down and you know all this other stuff, and Ellen Burstyn gets to win an Oscar. For Requiem for a Dream, finally, it'll, you know, twenty twenty will have made a real turnaround. You know, it, yeah, it would it would uh, reestablish itself or something. So, I don't know, Mario. Well, Tom will have a lot of editing to do over the next two days. And if you want to talk about <laughs> our editing, you can do so at Film Pivotal on Twitter. Um, or you can send us a message to pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail dot com, or you can go to pivotalfilm.com. Let's see a list of the movies that are on um, our top 100 list that we haven't done in a while, or see a list of the beers that we've uh, had on the show, which I haven't uh, updated in a while, and I don't think I'm going to because this is all drink, unofficial. Drink them in a while, yeah. Or how to subscribe, or how to get to the Twitter, or anything like that. Um, but next week, we're going to jump back into our quarantine theme um, with uh, some Robert Bresson um, films. And I'll mention, I'll give a quick review of Trolls World Tour. Um, and until then, watch uh, uh, watch a movie, 
uh, wherever you can and drink a beer as many as you need to and we will talk to you next week and don't go to church don't go to church